0: After dark, baby. Don't do it.
1: Matt, hey, pour yourself a nice little drink there. Yeah, just a little,
2: little
0: topper. What you drinking, Pat? Um, well, bourbon. I mean, that's. But as far as what kind, it is Heritage Distilling Company. It's a dual. It's part of their dual barrel collection. So it's bourbon. Uh, finished in vanilla extract barrels. Parker, Collins, what are you boys drinking? I've
1: got uh, Great Lakes Still and Oak Bergen, Ber- uh, Bourbon. <laughs> I've had about three of <laughs> these tonight. So there we go. Boy,
0: uh, getting, re- getting got... ready for that rant. <laughs> yeah.
2: And that Katy Perry song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I've got my, my favorite Scotch, which is bowmore 12 year. are oh, you fancy. The Scotch is just bourbon made in Scotland. It's so <laughs> different.
0: Uh it's made, it's obviously it's made differently. I think it's made with with peat.
2: This is is it, peatier than most, but uh as far as the ingredients Peter! Yeah, right. <laughs> Pablo. <laughs> I don't think there's much different. I mean, there might be an ingredient or two different. it just, it's very similar.
0: Yeah, there uh, actually, um, I think, Collins, I told you about this, the documentary that's on uh, Hulu. Yes. About bourbon. It's called Neat. It's wonderful. I feel like I've become a bourbon aficionado since watching that. But they have I another have- one for scotch, which is also pretty good. My brother-in-law watched the, the bourbon one and I got like, he
1: had, he wasn't a big bourbon guy before that, and then got like real into bourbon after watching that.
0: Yeah, it's a good one to hobby. parks have you seen it? No. I would, I would recommend it. It's a, it's very, it's very uh, informative about kind of everything bourbon. Um, What's so it it's, it's on uh, Hulu.
2: Okay.
0: They basically kind of follow, um, Buffalo Trace. That's kind of the big one that they that they include a lot um yeah also i looked so buffalo trace actually makes um blanton's
2: oh okay. did that
0: and also eagle rare is is blends the the cannonball Yep.
1: oh dude that it's the best bourbon i've ever had hands
0: down yep it's also very expensive.
2: Yeah, I just had a really good one, too. My dad got it as a gift, and um, it was a Buffalo Trace when I looked it up, but it was also very, very good.
0: Yeah, they have, I want to say, like six or seven different different brands that are distilled at Buffalo Trace. Oh, no, they've got a lot. Two, See? four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16,
2: 18, 20, 22. Oof. And they... I'm pretty sure they do the Kirkland brand too. I had EH Taylor Jr. collection.
0: Uh that was wonderful. I found uh there was a, a a three-pack bundle you got it was Buffalo Trace, Blanton's and Eagle Rare for I want to say it was just under 400 bucks. Yeah. Huh.
1: Jesus.
0: i mean i would i would definitely like to get it but i would probably drink it too quick because it's so good <laughs>
1: and then that's the best thing about like it being a hobby is yeah like you, you put some money into it but i don't know for me like it's gone in a month
2: let see like the, the the couple of like more expensive bottles that i've gotten i don't drink them like i keep my like daily drinkers separate from the the mm-hmm. The stuff like from that. the top but, shelf yeah and then I, I drink the top shelf stuff when like people come around and i share it with people mm-hmm. so it doesn't go very quick and you see people with like kind of like rooms full of, of bottles so they they buy it and they pour themselves a glass but then they don't they don't go back to it very often which yeah. I, I think you have to do because otherwise it, it's definitely less fun if, if you're just cracking open a you know, 200 bottle and then drinking it in month. yeah but the, the Pappy stuff is also a Buffalo Trace
1: brand. So yeah. Matt, that's like uh, remember I got that bottle of Blanton's from my father-in-law, yep. Jeff. Um so long, long story short, he's a uh, certain boxer's tax attorney and uh, is, is paid pretty well. Uh, but only drinks okay Jack for himself. Or, yeah only drinks Jack Daniels so his clients always around Christmas buy him a bunch of bottles and stuff like that. And because I'm his only drinking son-in-law, uh, you know, around Christmas time, he's like, hey, will you drink this? Hey, uh, you know, sees my wife. He goes, hey, take this home for Andy." I'm like, okay, cool. And I mean, that, that probably lasted me quite a long time. I, I think it was just basically a couple times when you and me would play FIFA, we'd yep. sip out of
0: it. Yeah. Good, good FIFA sipper.
1: Yep. And well, dude, I mean, dude, you think about it. He's got to wet the whistle. Have, Hey, having an eight-year-old I don't really get out of the house a whole lot I don't have friends over a whole lot unless it's going over to play
2: FIFA so <laughs> no I hear you I, I got my bottles for my 30th birthday during COVID and I still have them after my 31st birthday so yeah I, I can hear you man oh man all right enough bourbon talk I want to hear this arsenal talk
0: yeah okay also well, let's, let's let's set the set the backstory for those who don't know what happened.
2: Yeah, let, let, let let's
1: set the stage here. Chelsea, for multiple matches, had well, how many guys do we have on COVID? Seven, mm-hmm. eight, yep. yeah. Uh, you know, we've 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 had the, the the documented injuries, two wing backs, Kobo's out for a while. Uh, so you know, out of your twenty five man Premier League roster, we had. 14 players sound about right. Yeah. And in one match, we had seven players on the bench, two of them being goalkeepers after we had appealed to the premier league to have it postponed because we couldn't field enough players. We didn't bring any U23 players with us because we were under the impression it was going to be postponed, but no, we've had to play out. We haven't missed a single match yet due to COVID postponement. Thomas um, Tuchel has come out and said, "We try to make every match happen? Fair, absolutely fair. But then you see bullshit like Liverpool with, oh, we have 11 cases. And then it turns out, when, you know, so but, but let's postpone our Carabao Cup semifinal against Arsenal because we can't feel the team. And then you get to the day of the match and you find out they were all false positives. The odds of that, by the way, is 0.0. I think there were seven zeros and then a one. Astronomically low. Yeah. Just fucking ridiculous. And of course the, the FA won't investigate Liverpool over that. You know, you've had Leeds have to play matches with minimal teams with a U23 bench. But you've had, in this case, Arsenal, who has one player in AFCON, one positive COVID test, multiple, multiple players out on card suspensions, and multiple injuries. So they appeal to the league and say, oh, under your COVID protocols, we can't play this match. We can't field a team. Let's postpone the match against Spurs, North London Derby. How in the fuck? does the Premier League come out and say, absolutely, let's postpone this match? You have one positive COVID uh, player. It's not it, it's not anyone else's fault that Mikel Arteta is fine with red cards. It's not anyone else's fault that you have injuries. You can go fuck right off. How the hell do all these clubs get matches suspended and we're sitting here having to play every goddamn match? I am one of the people who has been very hesitant to get on the "there is an agenda against Chelsea" narrative, but it's it's stuff like this that says, "absolutely fuck Chelsea," and I don't I don't get why. I don't get it. I, I understand Arsenal has history and Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp and all that. Arsenal's been shit for a long time. Who gives a fuck? If they can't field a team, that's what your PL2 squad is for. That's what your academy is for. Man the fuck up and play a match. That's my rant. <laughs> i um,
2: so happy. So I just, yeah, I, I just looked up um, ESPN article just because I wanted mm-hmm. to see what the league directly had to say. And this is what really pisses me off about this. This is a direct quote from the league. The decision is a result of combination of COVID-19 Existing in recent injuries and players on international duty at the African Cup of Nations. What? So now, now because, uh, because COVID is a thing, we're allowed to postpone matches because you submit uh, a claim to. And then they go on to say, all clubs are, this is a quote, a jerk quote. All clubs are able to apply for a postponement if COVID-19 infections are a factor in their request. The league apologizes for the inconvenience and the disruption caused to supporters who would have attended or watched the games. We are fully aware that postponements disappoint clubs and fans. The league aims to provide as much clarity as possible, but unfortunately postponements sometimes are made on short notice and safety is our priority. Like then do it consistently. Like that has been what we've always asked for is, is do it consistently. And I don't know how this situation can be looked at and said, this one warrants it in Chelsea's situation where they had seven players out on COVID doesn't like, you can't like look me in the face and say, that that makes sense. You can't do it.
0: I, I did it? I did appreciate Tottenham's response to it. Yeah. Tottenham's and, pissed, right. I don't know if you guys got a chance to, to see it, but it was, uh, I don't say this often, but kudos to them. So I have it up. It says, Um, you know, the the North London Derby has been postponed. This follows an application from Arsenal to the Premier League on the basis of a combination of COVID existing and recent injuries and players on international duty at AFCON. We are extremely surprised that this application has been approved. We ourselves were disqualified from the European Conference League after a significant number of COVID cases meant we needed to reschedule a fixture and our application to move our Leicester fixture was not approved, only for it to be subsequently postponed when Leicester applied. The original intention of, of the guidance was to deal with player, avi- player availability directly affected by COVID cases, resulting in depleted squads that when taken together with injuries would result in the club not being able to field a team. We do not believe it was the intent to deal with player availability related to COVID. We may now be seeing the unintended consequences of this rule. It is important to have clarity and consistency on the application of this rule. Yet again, fans have seen their plans disrupted at unacceptably short notice. Like
1: what, what, what the fuck are they doing? It's horseshit. One positive COVID test. That's what Arsenal has. One. And the we FA have... is like, yeah, absolutely. This is COVID related.
0: And it's the thing it's, that not, it's the fact off, that Arsenal fucking sucks.
2: Yeah, and the thing that pisses me off, I, I heard them talking about this uh, a little bit, and I think like their their U twenty three team already played or something like that. Or they played, played them, the day before. Like, yeah, right. So they're like, oh well, they they can't call upon those players because they already played. It's like if you if your squad can get railroaded by one fucking case, if one fucking case is enough to to postpone matches, then your U twenty three team shouldn't be playing. Or you should be promoting your U21 team to be playing U23 matches. Save those guys, because you already know about your long-term injuries. You already know about the people on red cards. You already know about the people who are on AFCON. Those are all knowns right now. And the only variable that you have to deal with is COVID. And there's one case, and that railroads it. That's poor planning on your part. That is poor management. Like I, it, it hurts me to say this because I we, we talked about player safety and the that we need to protect players sort of against the league that would rather see them play than not. So I just think that it's not in the intention of the rule. And I'm more upset that that Chelsea got denied in their appeal than Arsenal gets granted in theirs. Because if Chelsea gets uh, their appeal granted, I don't have as much of an argument against this. I still think it's shit. But I, I don't have as much. It's it's literally the fact that our claim got denied, and that set precedent in my own mind of like, all right, well then, bring your best excuse, I guess, and, and it has to be better than this one. And if, if an excuse isn't better than this one, then I'm pissed off about it because then I feel like it's unfair treatment.
0: It's 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 basically the the old adage of oh well the dog ate my homework. It's really what it is. Like hey. We didn't plan correctly, so we're just going to say this and hope it works, and lo and behold, it works. Where you would have somebody else who had a legitimate reason why they couldn't get the assignment done, and nope. Doesn't matter. You still fail, whatever the case is. To me, the Premier League did this to themselves. They did this to themselves. We – I think I talked about how Man United only played three matches in December, and they were off for, like, two weeks. Spurs was about the same, by the way. Yeah.
2: They're three
0: But it's just – to me, it's weird how they – I don't want to say they pick and choose, but that's kind of what we have to start thinking about. Do they just pick and choose – like, if, if you're thinking about it from a Premier League perspective, you're really going to shut down the North London Derby because Arsenal can't field the appropriate team to make it a legitimate, good, compelling North London Derby. That's the only thing I can come up with from the, from the, from the Premier League side. That's the only reason why they're doing it because otherwise that matchup would probably be a blowout. The the thing that pisses me off
1: is now the precedent has been set. As long as this rule stays in place, either, you know, you go out, you buy 10 African players who are going to be gone on Afcon, and say, Oh, we can't play any of our matches in January. I, Mm -hmm. I, there's nothing we can do. I don't know. Or you pull a fucking Jurgen Klopp and say, Oh yeah, sorry. Half of our team tested positive for COVID. And then you come out after the fact and say, Oh, just kidding. They were all false positives. I, I don't know what happened. It, it's ridiculous. And honestly, this is the one thing that I think the NFL does correctly. And it's you need to be at a certain amount of vaccinations, and, uh, you know, beyond that, if you have guys breaking protocol, if you're not following up on what your guys are doing outside of football, then you forfeit the, your damn game. If you can't feel the team because your guys are acting like shitheads, then you forfeit. There needs to be some kind of onus put on the clubs to get their shit together. Chelsea included.
2: And make them, make them forfeit and make it like hurt. Make it like a 6-0 forfeit. I mean, or whatever that ruling would be. It's like make it sting because that's the only way you get at people to to force changes is make it hurt their bottom line or their you know if i think in the nfl if they're they put out where if like a game was forfeited like you're paying for the other team's inconvenience too and you're paying like repercussions of like money that they would have received from the match and things like that like you hit them where it hurts and people change real quick or people implement rules real quick
0: and and so the the one thing about the liverpool situation is i is Klopp and Tugel were kind of on the same page when this first thing came out um early on in december they were both on the same page like why are we playing like we know this is going around at different clubs like why are we playing like shut everything down get everybody healthy and then restart it okay if Obviously, the, the World Cup isn't getting played in June, right? Because it's in Qatar? No. Being played in the season. Night. It's like December. December. Yeah. So what's the harm in having it run, rather than it being end of May, having it run end of June? What's, what's really the harm in that, especially given you have this unique scenario where the World Cup isn't going to be – it's going to be in December. It's not going to be over summer you had the opportunity to do it. Why not? What, what's really the harm in doing that? And so for me, I was on the same page with them. Klopp, Tuchel, they were on the same page. They were both very pissed off about it. The eye test now shows that Liverpool was probably trying to, well, I, I don't want to say that. Whether or not they were trying to coax the system, and say, hey, we had all these positive tests because I'm sure that they have regulations like to get tested, they get sent somewhere for validation, and then it comes back. This person, this person, this person, whatever, positive. At that point, it's it's out of it's out of Klopp's control, right? Like players get tested and it's just here you go. I think Klopp was out for a match too. Didn't he have? Did he tested positive? Yeah, Yeah, the Chelsea match. So he obviously tested positive. So to me, his hands are kind of tied, um, and he just can only speak to what he knows. Like, yeah, half our team came back with positive tests, and then they got tested again, and they were negative. So that first batch, there's there's got to be somebody regulating that, which I assume that there is, but who knows. One other thing to throw out there, I do know, at least in Milwaukee right now, there are certain places that are getting shut down for COVID testing because some people, like, obviously registered to get tested, and they got their results before they even got tested. (laughs) So So I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility, but I mean who knows with everybody trying to get rapid responses on things and, you know, trying to move quicker than, you know, the, the three to five days that it originally was, um, you know, th- things happen. Um, I'm not saying it's right, but it's also not out of the realm of possibility. So I,
1: I know this conversation has now shifted from Arsenal to Liverpool and I'm all on board with it because I have a lot to fucking say about Liverpool too. <laughs> Matt, I, I, I don't think it's being regulated. I don't think there's a central anything, because unlike in America where it's franchises and everyone is based you know, Major League Baseball, all the teams are technically a division of Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. NFL, all the teams are franchises of the National Football League. These are independent clubs, and we saw last year with the Super League nonsense that the clubs have more power than the FA does. I don't think the FA is. Regulating this, I think they have certain rules of, oh, you know, we need tests, but I don't think they're regulating who does the tests when they're being done, stuff like that. And Jurgen Klopp has been bitching about the schedule, bitching about January and December, the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, since he's been appointed at Liverpool. I, there's something fishy at Liverpool. Just again, if you look at the odds of one false positive compared to 10 false positives it's th- there's no way there's no way but I think it's because Liverpool is one of these storied clubs they are you know they're the Michigan football they're the the Green Bay Packers I think they're given kind of a little bit of leeway with this and I think it I don't know Klopp has Done it too much over the last five to six years for this to just be merely a coincidence that it happens when the schedule congestion kicks in.
2: Yeah. I think our our team has had the most schedule congestion out of anybody, and the fact that we haven't gotten a game postponed, that just that tells me pretty much everything I need to know. Like we had the cases just like everyone else did, and uh, and didn't get the didn't get the postponements, didn't get the special treatment or get the treatment, really. I mean, it's the treatment that everyone else is getting, which, uh, yeah, that, that, that's unfortunate. I do yeah. want to shout out Lee Dixon one last time because his comment on the Super League, the cheeky little joke that he worked into the, the broadcast, I don't know if you guys caught it or not. Uh, <laughs> he goes, he goes, yeah, it's almost like if uh, the top leagues just uh, all kind of formed their own league and played against each other, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it be? <laughs> <laughs> because Arlo said something about like when the top teams get the best out of each other and, and, and play compelling football and, and things like that. And Lee's comment kind of a, just to a tongue-in-cheek throw the Super League back at him just was hilarious. So I figured I'd bring that up just because we're on um, on the Lee Dixon train today. So uh that that made me smile (laughs) but yeah man i don't know about this stuff i hate talking about it it drives me insane and it just if we got one, like i said if we got one game postponed because of it like when we had our turn and we got our game you know postponed which doesn't really help us it puts us into it just kind of delays the inevitable which is we have schedule congestion in january february march april and may like doesn't really help but at least the ruling kind of goes in our favor. Uh, that would have been nice. The
0: the biggest, the biggest thing is that it's sporadic. Like over the last three weeks, you always wonder, all right, what match is going to be postponed this week? And you don't know it like these teams are traveling. They're playing in other, in other stadiums against other teams. So if you are telling me that, you know, for example, like a, like a West Brom versus Norwich gets canceled, or uh, West Ham versus Norwich gets canceled, well, who did West Ham play before that they now have COVID cases? What about that team? Who did Norwich play before? What about that team? And then you have to look, well, Leicester played this team before that, so then what about that team? You have to shut it down, especially with how, how quickly it expanded and how many matches were shut down. What was it three weeks ago, four weeks ago, where there were four games postponed on like a Saturday or Sunday? Okay, so you're talking about eight teams. Who did they play before that? I guarantee you it wasn't each other. So then you have to backtrack there and see what's going on there. Then all of a sudden, a week later, oh, yeah, this team has, has COVID or whatever. They Their match is postponed. You got to shut it down. I get it. It's business. It's all about money. Everything's all about money. But when you constantly come out and say, we're talking about player safety. No, you're not. Get the fuck out of here. No, you're not. You're talking about making money and continuing to make money because you're trying to make up for last season when everything got, got shut down. You couldn't have fans in stadiums, which again, Hurt you from a business standpoint. You're trying to make all of it back. So you're going to play whatever games you can, regardless of player safety. So when they say that, that's probably the one thing that pisses me off the most. We're concerned about player safety. Fuck off. No, you're not. That that is the last thing you're concerned
2: about. Then they work the injuries and shit into it too, and the excuse to file a claim. That's if you're going to talk about COVID safety, like talk about COVID safety in its own sort of isolated thing. Make it a COVID issue. Don't. Don't lump the other things in that so, everyone else has to deal with. That's so injuries,
0: I can understand. I mean, I think all of us being Chelsea fans can understand. We went without a striker for a month and a half. And we're without our two wingbacks. You lump that in with COVID cases, then, yeah, you can't feel the team. That I understand. But don't talk to me about yellow card suspensions, red card suspensions, and AFCON. You knew AFCON was coming. You knew it. You knew how to prepare for it. Deal with it. It's lumping all of that together. I'm okay with injuries and COVID. That's fine. I, I can live with that. But then you're talking about suspensions because your players can't do their job correctly? And that and that's made to be a penalty. Yeah. Why are we
1: expecting <laughs> it? It's, it's such fucking bullshit. Arsenal have had this issue since Arteta came on of red cards, yellow cards, leading the league in both. And This was made to be a penalty. This was made so your players couldn't play if they reached a certain amount of yellow cards or if they got a red card. Then enforce it.
2: That's what this episode's called. It was made to be a penalty. Nice. I like it. Because you are Dead on, that. That is exactly why it was in play, and that is exactly how it should be viewed as a penalty, not an excuse to get your match
0: postponed. Fuck. And if, and if you know that you have Afcon coming up, and they've got what one or two people at Afcon, I haven't. I haven't actually looked.
1: I know for a long time. I think two. Personal had a lot. I think they have two.
0: Good. But okay, fine. If you know two people are going to be gone, you know, you have long-term injuries, you know, there's a possibility of suspensions coming up, at least for yellows, bring up some of the U23s, have them start training. You know, what's going to happen. They, yeah. didn't, do, they didn't do their homework. They went to the teacher and said, the teacher being the premier league and said, Hey, the dog ate my homework. Oh, okay. That's fine. We'll give you time to, to deal with it. They have six and a half a half gone, Six players. Again, call up six U twenty threes. It's start training. You have to prep for it. You knew it was coming. Everybody, your yeah. mother knew it was coming. That's the thing. You knew Afcon was being played. What,
1: like, if you have six Africans on your roster, six Africans who are capped internationally, why do you not have six players in your PL two squad who are also training with the, yeah. the, the first team?
0: Yep. Just to me, it, it's it's I don't know. It's and the fact that the Premier League allowed Arsenal to postpone the game just goes to show that the Premier League is strictly about money and that they do not care about player
1: safety. Crystal Palace has four. Do you think any of their matches are going to get postponed?
0: How many COVID cases do they have? None? Well, one? Arsenal,
1: ha- Arsenal has one, so that's the, that's the, the benchmark.
2: Yeah, it just has to be COVID-related as part of the appeal. as the way they stated it. Oh, my God. I know. It has to be COVID-related. Yeah, AFCON is so,
0: not so COVID-related. One,
2: one, no. one, one COVID, and then what's your sort of full situation with everything else is how they're kind of looking at it. So COVID's the qualifier, and then what's your full situation after that?
0: It should just be COVID and injuries. AFCON should not be a part of it. If if we're looking at last year, right? If 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 we say like we're back, fans are in all that other stuff, and we don't have Afcon, let's say we take Afcon out of the equation. Do you still think the Premier League grants us or no? Yeah, sadly, we don't have Afcon next year. I don't think so. Well, no, I no. I'm just saying if you were to if if you were to look at it like last year, like it, the same thing happens, but you take Afcon out of it. Yeah. Do you think that the Premier League still approves it? I don't
2: know anymore. Roll the dice if it hits five or six, yeah. Fuck, yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. It's,
0: it's it, it, That's the thing. Nobody knows because there are no set rules in place. See, and this is like, yeah, I don't know how much F1
1: you guys watch. We watch a lot, a lot of F1 in this house. I'm seeing, seeing some blank stares here. No, I, I, I used to watch F1. My dad was a big fan of it. So so this year, it came down to the, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Grand Prix uh, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen. My son Aiden's a big Max Verstappen fan. I'm a big Lewis Hamilton fan. They were separated by eight points going into the last race. And it, there's a yellow, yellow flag going into the last lap. And normally, the thing goes, you know, either you end on a yellow or you resume and allow all the cars who have been lapped to go around to the back to get onto the lead lap. Well, Michael Massey, the, the race director said, you know what? Cars X, Y, and Z can go around, can, can pass, and then we'll resume the race. And so Max Verstappen wins the championship based off that because he didn't have, he didn't have these cars to, to weave through. And it's, it's that kind of just, I'm gonna interpret the rules the way I wanna interpret it that bugs the hell out of me. And it's been a year of that for me. And I'm just, Matt, you were here when when Arlo White announced it and you saw how pissed I was. And this was five minutes after Dubremia scored. I was more pissed about this than I was about Dubremia. I am just so sick of, this is how I interpret the rule. No, the rule is the rule fuck everything else oh my god okay
2: that i'm, I'm quiet now i'm gonna take a drink <laughs> it, no you gotta get it out man you gotta get it out because honestly uh, yeah I, I felt the same i internalize my hatred much more than vocalize it i don't usually scream i just kind of <sighs> heavy sigh and look at myself in the mirror and contemplate life like it it, it usually i don't usually get vocally pissed off in our group texts and i usually vocally get pissed off on this podcast i internalize a lot of things so but you you see it and i i almost laughed because i'm like of course oh, why wouldn't it? like of course this is happening this way i just there's there's no other scenario for me and this is just my life these are the things that happen and my club doesn't get the same treatment, and uh, I have to kind of live with that because you know what, I ain't changing clubs. So this this is the hand that I picked. I wasn't dealt it. I picked it, but I'll, I'll stick with my club and um, and deal with the shit along the way.
0: It's it's like the the five stages of anger. Like originally you're like, oh okay, whatever it happens. Then you're like why does this happen to us? Then you start vocalizing. You start getting more aggressive. And then finally you hit the point where all you can do is laugh Acceptance. because you're so used to it. And I think that's where we're at right now. We, we can't get mad anymore because we're just like, huh, sure, why not? Of course this is going to happen. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Like, I think that's where we're at right now with, with the premier league and how it's handling COVID and postponement of games for whatever reason or justification that, that they want to decide. Honestly, it's, it's a bailout at the end of the day for, for money. Like nobody, let's be honest as a neutral fan in this whole thing between Tottenham and Arsenal as a neutral. And when I say neutral, I hate both clubs as a neutral. I don't want to see... I don't want to see a full a full Tottenham squad against a half-assed Arsenal squad. Like, it's not good. Nobody's going to tune in and watch because everybody knows it's going to be... It's going to be an ass-kicking. So, again, it's all business. It's all about ratings, how many people are watching. If it... I think... I'll go one step further. If it wasn't a Derby game for Arsenal, I don't think that it would have been approved. If they were playing like Norwich, I don't think it would have been approved. But because it was Tottenham, it got approved. I mean, Matt,
2: I, I agree that it would be a shit show of a match until until Tengenga blasts Davies in the <laughs> face and scores <laughs> and scores for Arsenal.
0: <laughs> make <Making> it one nothing <laughs> in the 95th minute
2: because <laughs> because that's always a possibility <laughs> when you play Tottenham
0: so <laughs> so Spursy
1: all right let's I I'm I'm done ranting I'm done being pissed but I have I have an interesting scenario that I want to get you guys take on are we going gun to your head yeah yeah let's <laughs> let's go gun to your oh no no I'm sorry we're we're going arsenal knife to your head (laughs) Jesus all right so we're 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 wearing full white kits knife knife to your head um oh no I'm sorry our match got suspended so it is gun to your head um big rom Harry Kane straight
2: swap do you do it I was on board with signing Harry Kane last year or last window anyway so uh, I can't imagine he'd be worse I mean the only thing I don't like giving Tottenham would be another formidable striker especially one with like an agenda but um, at this stage I think Harry Kane would do more positives for us than against
0: us so yeah you'll take him are we taking Harry Kane this year or last year? Oh, this Today. is
1: like that this is like next summer.
0: Or this wants summer out, like right Harry now.
1: Kane wants out just easy player swap.
0: No. Um Kane needs he needs a much, he needs a supporting cast. So I think without um Sun he doesn't put up the numbers that he does. I I really don't. If you look at all of his assists, they usually go to Sun. I think he is one of the more underrated um, wingers in the Premier League. And my – I would prefer – I would almost swap Sun with with Rahm. (laughs) And just let Timo run up top. Do you imagine that pace and that link up? That would be a lot. But I, like- I don't I don't think we need – I really don't think we need, like, like a big-name striker. I really don't. And Collins, no, we're not getting Vlahovic or whatever the hell his name is. We're not getting him. No, we are getting Luka Jovic. Uh- well, I, I was talking about the other guy from Fiorentina or whoever is – Supposed to go to Arsenal and no Jovic, stop. (laughs) It's happening. I am speaking it into into existence here.
2: Matt, to to your point, something on the dark web. To your point, he needs a supporting cast. He had a supporting cast of Deli Alley and Sun and scored a shit ton of goals. I think our supporting cast is better than that. I think our wingers are better than that. Like, I love – and Son is one of my favorite non-Chelsea footballers in the Premier League by far, and it's not even close. Love that man. I think he's great. I think his spirit is wonderful, and I just would love to have him on the team. So I don't discount that. But I, I think us as a team, as an attacking team, are far better than Tottenham. We would be able to surround him with far more creative players than those two, and I think he would thrive in our system.
1: And next August, you have Reese James and Ben Chilwell coming back. You know, you'll you'll have, you know, if not Pool Sick or Zeek being sold, you'll have somebody brought into those into those spots. I think Harry Kane thrives. I think there's a lot of space for Harry Kane up top, if it you know, with that kind of creativity. You imagine and, Cho link up with Kane. I forgot about Cho. Yeah, Cho and Harry Kane would
0: be fantastic.
2: He's so good.
0: Um, I, I will throw out one other thing. We've we've seen the system that Tuchel has right now, right, with all of his strikers. Big body up top, more link-up play, not really get out in the open. That's not Harry Kane. That's not Rom. I don't. That's not really Kai. So, so I think you're taking away one of one of the biggest assets that they have. Granted, we've talked about this. This is not his team. It's not structured to his to, to what he wants to do. He's dealing with what he has. However, he, I, I just, he's always needed kind of a big a big striker up top. Um, when he was with. Dortmund, he had, I mean, I wouldn't call Aubameyang a big striker, but he had, you, you need a target man, right? He was the target man, and that would be Harry Kane. You just need a target man to kind of free up other players. That's what he's trying to do with Rom. It's not doing great. Um, he tried to do it with Kai. It got a little bit better, but I still don't trust him as a striker. You can't throw Timo as as your big body up top, he's all of five foot nine. Um, I just, I, 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 see it as more of a hindrance for Harry Kane than an advantage. I don't think Tuchel's system needs a big body.
1: I don't think he's ever necessarily needed a big body. Aubameyang is a guy who runs into space at PSG. You had Mbappe, Neymar, uh, Zlatan for one year. Zlatan, Zlatan, even with his size, is a guy who gets into space. I think his system thrives off a guy who can find the the splits in between defenders, and that's something that Harry Kane is great at. And I I don't know. I think that's a problem with Rom. Is Rom is a guy who is built for build-up play, is built for link up play, is built for you know bodying defenders. And I don't think
0: Tuchel's system fits it, and I think that's where the issue comes. I think, I, I think, I, I think the issue comes in where, and I'm not going to put this on Tom or on Tommy T or Rom, but Rom also has pace, and I don't think that Tuchel has been utilizing that. He just sees a big Belgium striker, somebody that can go toe to toe with any center back in the world and just do what they do. So I think he's looking at it from that perspective where if, if we're talking about Tuchel system and players that can find space and get into open space, you got to let Rom go. As, As long as, as long as he is with this club and he is your striker, you have to let him go. He can't just be somebody that, you know, we kick the ball to when we're in trouble like Keppa or something like that, like we just throw it up to the middle and hope that he can corral it and, and do all that hold-up play. He clearly, after last game, he can't win aerial duels, so that's out of the question. But the fact that we don't have a different sort of outlet that frees up Rom a little bit more to make these runs in these gaps and things like that. He had a few chances, where he got into that space, he started making runs, and it opened up for him. Like, that's, he does a great job of that, I think. At least watching a little bit of him when he was with Inter, even when he was with United and Everton, he did that. It's, I see him more as a player who can find the space, but his frame is just so big and he's so strong that he's used as like an Olivier Giroud type player. His first touch is terrible too. Everybody, everybody's first touch was terrible against City. And it has been for a while.
1: Roms wasn't just City. Roms has been all season.
0: Anytime anytime Rom gets the ball
1: just past half just past half field and turns, it's a turnover. It's automatic. The, 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 The guy can't turn and run. Kai Havertz can turn and run. Timo yeah. Werner can turn T- Timo Werner has the worst first touch on the team, but he can turn and run. Rahm turns and gives the ball to the defender. And it's been all year.
0: he's been hanging out with Marcus Alonso too much. Fair. You can't True fault much. him there. He's just trying to make friends with his teammates. So
2: so here's here's my idea, uh my two cents on the issue. Um I think some of our best, like just purely attacking lineups, have been when we ran Timo and Rob up top in like a two-striker formation. The, the the two issues with that are, so the most positive stuff I would see would be, we kick the ball, let Timo run into, run into space on it, and then sort of ideally or idealistically, like Timo would cross to Rob and Rob would score. Uh, we would kick the ball along to Timo. Timo would somehow mess up the touch or would not be in full control of that ball not be able to put the great cross into rom and rom's not good enough to finish off the cross from timo and so whether it's a perfect cross and rom fucks up the finish or a bad cross and rom messes up the finish or whatever it is whoever's fault uh, neither man is perfect for that kind of a system but i think the system could work really well if, if the right people were in it. Um, I, I, I liked that option. I liked Timo running into space in that two-man system. Um, and then I you know, said it a lot, but just he's just not skilled enough like to, to make that last pass or to make that last cross or to put the shot on or, or do whatever with it. And then Roms finishing in front of goal has been very subpar. He's had a lot of opportunities. And those are kind of what I judge him on. I don't judge him on all of the build-up stuff or all of the first touch stuff or whatever. But if he's in the box and he gets a ball fed to him and he gets a foot on it, it's got to be on target, like seventy percent of the time for me. And it's just not. So I judge him on his finishing, and it, the finishing just isn't there. So. When I think about things like straight straight swaps with him and Kane, do I think Kane puts more of those balls on target? Like, yeah, I do. I have to believe he puts more of those balls on target. Do I think he finds himself in space more? Yeah, I do. I also think we have a problem with with Burner and some of that service as well. In my in my scenario, I just pointed out, but uh, Kane Kane Kane's an uh, an elite finisher, um, and I don't think Rom is, and I think that's. That that's just like the last bit of what we need. That's like that last gusto of what we need. And um, soccer is a very like collaborative game, and you can judge individual performances, but where the teams are best when they're synergistic and they make each other better and they play off of each other. And it doesn't have to be like one person's perfection moment, but a lot of people's like average moments that just kind of collectively leads to goals. And uh, we need more of that. Um, We did. Got to get away from, like, Aiden Hazard just takes on six people and scores, or Willian, or Pedro. I saw a lot of Pedro highlights on Twitter recently. My God, I miss that guy. He just
0: made stuff happen. He he did a lot. God, did he do a lot. Well, I mean, Mason Mount is the new Aiden Hazard, essentially, at this point, because, well, we don't have anybody else that can score goals right now. Exactly. So, the the one the one question that just popped into my head, and I, I think this will be a this will be a good a good debate topic. I had mentioned early on when we started potting. Um, wow. That was
2: twenty weeks ago, by the
0: way. I was saying one, one of the one of the first episodes about COVID, not COVID, but cova and saying he was our best midfielder. I got a lot of backlash from you and from one Andy Collins Mm -hmm. saying Jorginho is still our our best center mid. I haven't seen or heard a lot from Jorginho lately, besides the fact that he's our leading goal scorer because he can only score from the spot. Um, And we saw the impact when Kova was out with his injury and then COVID. We see him back. Are we still in the same mindset? Me personally, I still think Kova is our best midfielder. Top to bottom. I think he is – I think Jorginho is – a, almost a luxury at this point. I like
1: think Conte is number one. Dude, dude plays again. We we've said it all year long. He has been a guy who plays two, like plays for two men, and he, and he, that hasn't changed. I mean that there was the last city match where he was sick, but still played where he played like one person. And then that was like a letdown to all of us. So I think Conte is your number one. Honestly, I think Kova has usurped Jorginho as the number two. there There's been a change. Kova, it's for two reasons. Kova has gotten better. I, I think he has taken a crazy step under Tuchel. You know, being from being a, a role player at Madrid to being a starter at Chelsea to all of a sudden being a guy who can do everything. His touch is amazing. His passing is amazing. Um, defense is, is still average, uh, you know, average at worst. Um, but I think he's your number two. And Jorginho, he's he's getting older. I mean, he's 30 now. And and I think, honestly, his role under Tuchel is, like we said, to be Alex Smith with the Chiefs. It's to game manage. And so, I don't, I'm not diminishing anything that he is as a player. I think he is just playing the role that he is being asked to play and that that role is not as flashy as other roles. So I think Jorginho is still probably a top 15 central midfielder in Europe, but maybe a top 10, but I, I don't think that he is. Yeah,
2: I think he's number three at Chelsea right now. I don't have much to add to that. I I, I see it very very similar, to Collins. I think, and I mean, you can split hairs between Conte and Kova. You can judge them game by game, and they're both usually very very good. And one might have a slightly better game than the other. I it's it's really hard to pick between them. Um, so I I almost. I almost feel it's disrespectful to pick between them. I like them both a lot, and I like both what they do. So uh, they're my top two. Um, I think Jorginho is slightly to a little more than slightly behind them, but an incredibly serviceable third option. Like, we've always talked about our embarrassment of riches at midfield, and I don't think it's changed. Uh, I think to have Ruben Loftus-Cheek be your fourth, Ross Barkley and Saul will be your fifth and sixth options off the bench for, for a central midfield options. No, pretty damn good options. So, uh, but I, I think, I think Kante and Kova, it, it goes game to game. Uh, I think um, there are a lot of times I see, I see Kova and I'm like, Holy shit, he's the man. I see Conte, I say the same thing. So I, both are integral to the, to the system and to the team. So um, they're incredibly close. George, uh, the thing I like about George is I think he's involved in his game a little bit where he plays some deeper balls um, that he used to not. And and he still is like a game manager, but he also kind of plays that um, um, Juan Mata role a little bit where he can sort of distribute from the back um, at times, which I like, but um, for me, it's not enough to to overtake what Conte and Cova do.
1: Well but, yeah. I think we I think we saw that against Tottenham. Was it Tottenham the last match that Jorginho played? Um but it Jorginho started against Tottenham. Yeah he, he was a lot more distribute than, than he has been as of late. And so I, I think you still have that. I think he's just being asked to do something different.
2: Well and that's a different system too. That's that four two 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 Uh, you know, a little bit different of a lineup as well. So uh, maybe he plays a little bit better than that or not. I'm not not sure, but.
0: um. And from my standpoint, Jorginho is number three. And that's not, that's not Jorginho hate. That's just, that's just how I'm saying it. I know, but I know, but still, I have a reputation of not liking Jorginho, so I just have to call that out. Um, the, the thing that, for me, puts Kova above Conte is the durability. Conte is also, what, 30, 31? So he, he's also getting up there. He puts a lot of miles on during a game. I, I, I don't – I'm not trying to undersell his impact on the game defensively, um, you know, the high press on the ball, things like that. Like he is by far, I think the best midfielder when it comes to doing those things. But then when you start talking about distribution, being able to get yourself out of, out of situations when you don't have an outlet option, right? We see Kova make runs from, from our own third and go into the final third he can do that um i i don't like kante in the link up play um a lot i would much rather have kova i think his his touch his passing his vision is a lot better than than kante but again kante is kante he, he's just going to run like his life depends on it right and just do what he has to do and get that ball back sure. so but just the the durability and the 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 fact that Kova can create his own and create for others i think that puts him above kante from an overall perspective right if if we're just looking at overall you throw in everything right durability passing shooting um, offense defense like all that stuff i think Kova has gotten a lot better from a defensive standpoint. I don't, obviously he had the yellow against City, which fine, but when was the last time you saw him really miss a tackle like that? Normally he is pretty spot on when making those types of tackles. So to me, I, I think Kova is is our, our number one. Um, and as another, as another caveat to that, When Conte actually was out, Kova and Jorginho, they worked well together, and Kova was playing that Conte role. So he can do that as well. Um, So I think that adds another facet to him that, you know, that might put him a little bit higher up.
2: I'm all potted out.